All right, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 19. And we are going to finish out this chapter, which means next week we are going to begin the Ten Commandments. And today I titled this message for some reason, Understanding Transcendence. And you're like, okay, that's a great word. What, what is that all about? Transcendence. Transcendence is such a wonderful and precious word for us as believers. And I hope that when you walk out of here, it's not that your vocabulary has expanded, but that your faith has expanded. I hope that you are more encouraged. I hope that you are more hopeful. I hope that you are more steady in your faith because of this word, transcendence. Years ago, uh, when I was working as an engineer, I worked down at Artificial Island, down where Salem 1 and 2 and Hope Creek uh, are for uh, nuclear power plants. And driving back and forth from there to home, it, the, the nice thing about it, it was all country roads. There was no traffic. There was nobody in the way almost ever. Uh, it was easy to drive. It was easy to kind of think while you drove and, and just head on down the road. But one day I was heading back and I had a youth group that night. It was a Wednesday night. I had youth group that night at church. And I was heading back through what turned out to be a really violent thunderstorm. Now, I like thunderstorms. I'm like, I'm all about look out the window and watch the thunderstorm. I am all about the, the pouring rain. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's so cool. But I was driving in this little blue Hyundai, 1991 Hyundai, down this road. And I'm driving, and I don't know if any of you have ever been down this road, but on the road, the access road to the artificial island, there are all these giant towers that, that have the wires that conduct the electricity out you know, to the grid. So there are all these giant metal objects next to me, like maybe from me to that back wall, as I'm driving down in this little toy car down this road. And the lightning begins to hit these towers as I'm driving down the road. And I can tell you that is not something I forget. I, what went through my mind is, maybe I'm not going to be teaching youth group tonight. The power, the sound, the, the spectacle, even the shaking as you drove down this road through this thunderstorm. And suddenly I felt so small and so vulnerable in comparison to something that I'm very used to. It's not like never seen lightning or thunder before. It's not like I've never been around that before, but I was so close to it and it really, really showed me the difference of the immense force and the size, the power of this common natural occurrence and my absolute helplessness in the face of it. Sometimes we need to realize how small we really are and how little we actually control. I know that sounds like a downer, but I'm telling you, it's a one step on the pathway to real freedom and joy. I heard this week that suffering in our lives is an undeniable tool to remind us of the very limits of our strength, our authority, and our ability. It means that suffering itself can be a very good thing for you spiritually and even psychologically because it reminds us of the limits of our strength our authority, and our ability. We cannot convince ourselves that we can save ourselves when suffering comes into our life on the regular, uninvited, unwanted, but it just comes anyway. Nobody asks me, I don't get a vote, and here it comes. And I don't get a say in how long or short it is. I don't get a say in what the end of it is all the time. It is a profound reminder of the limits of our humanity. But somehow, 
We lose track of it anyway, that truth that we cannot save ourselves. And we use suffering as a reason to try to be independent, to try to put our trust in our own understanding, in our own strength, in our own resources. We try to say, well, I can't trust a God who would allow this to happen, so I'm going to have to do it myself in spite of the very clear evidence that I can't do it myself. Today, in this passage, we are again at the foot of Mount Sinai. And we are going to talk about why we have so little control over our lives. We're going to look at the transcendence of God. It is a theological term. It is one that I learned in Bible college and and reviewed again in seminary. But there's a real awesome need for the people of God to grab a hold of this idea, transcendence. The word itself means to exist beyond, above, to be superior, to be over beyond what is natural, beyond what is normal. And when we apply it to God, I always think about it as the necessity of God coming down to our level in order to have a relationship with us. Today, I just want to let that idea register with us, that God came down to our level to have a relationship with us. Transcendence. I will say, if you think you can just say whatever makes sense to you about God and and it is legitimately true just because you said it, you really don't understand God's transcendence. If you think you can just live however you want and believe whatever you want, you have missed the reality of God's transcendence. If you think God is rejectable, if you think it's up for grabs whether he exists or not, you don't understand his transcendence. If you think that you have a better chance at a good life or any kind of real hope without God, you don't get transcendence. Because God is so far above us, we can't even begin to measure it, let alone understand it. But that is not as humiliating as that might sound to people who think, you know, don't tell me I'm nothing, don't tell me I'm small, don't tell me I'm weak. The reality that that's actually true is really good news for you. And the reason it's really good news is because however good you think God is, He is so much better than that. However powerful you think God is, He is beyond any imagination more powerful than you could possibly imagine. He is transcendent. However present you think he is, however great, however loving you think he is, however supreme you think he is, he is so far beyond that he is transcendent. The Lord in this passage takes some very intentional steps to teach his people about this concept. He gives them an object lesson, kind of like the object lesson I had on the way home from work that day. They should be able to remember this for a long time. Unfortunately, they forget it pretty quickly. But let's look at this moment that God is trying to show them His transcendence. So pick up with me in uh, Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 to 19. Here's what it says. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from, the sm- like the, from it like the smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. At, as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. 
As I read that, I'm trying to picture what it's like to, to hear this, to see this, to, to walk towards this mountain that is trembling, that is engulfed in flame and smoke, this, this, this supernatural sound of a trumpet coming out of it. Why is this happening? What is God doing here? Why is He doing this in front of all of Israel? Because He wants them to understand His transcendence. And one of the elements of His transcendence is that God is power. Not that God has power. God is power. There is no power unless God gives it because God is power. Whatever we think about strength, whatever we think about power, God is the very definition of all power that exists. And they were looking at power unlike they had ever seen or would ever see again. Standing in front of a mountain that none of them could even begin to move and watching it shake from the power of God. Listening to a voice thundering out of the smoke. When God showed up to Moses on this mountain years before, it was a burning bush that burned but did not burn up. It was a rather small and kind of cool but inviting kind of sign. But here, there is this awe-inspiring display because the whole nation has come to witness and God is going to show them something about Himself, that God is power. Believers, I really think we've lost sight of this. When you are discouraged, when you are ready to give up, when you think, what's the point? When you wonder how anything good could ever come from this, what you've forgotten is that God is power. That He is transcendent. We need to dig back into this idea. We need to let God show us. God doesn't show up in mountains with thick clouds and smoke anymore, but He will someday. But right now, He shows us His power in other ways. And so right here, God puts on a show for them. It is a show that is unmistakable, that they can't miss, and a show that is supposed to teach them about the greatness of God. There was an instruction to wait until the trumpet sound. In other words, they weren't able to come however they wanted and whenever they wanted. They were to wait for God to give the signal that it was time for them to come. Now today, we have some other truths that that we've bladed in, and and I don't mean to throw off any of those truths, that that God is your friend, that He loves you, that you can can, can come to Him anytime in prayer, that we have a go-between between us and God, that you're children of... I don't mean to put any of that aside. But sometimes we put all of that so forefront that we miss the truth about God's greatness. The Israelites were called to be God's people. They were recipients of His love and His goodness. But He said to them, you don't get to come whenever you want. I'll tell you when you can come. I'll tell you how you can come. And it was meant not to put them in their place, but to show them that God had granted them the privilege of coming into His presence. It wasn't something they deserved. It wasn't a right that they had earned. It was something they desperately needed and something that God gave them out of His grace. But they needed to understand His grace. And the only way to understand that is to understand they could not access the presence of God without the grace of God. They needed to see His power. And sometimes believers, I think we're so flippant coming into the presence of God that we forget about His power. We forget that we never deserved to be there in the first place. That God invited us in through an act of grace and mercy that is beyond our understanding. Moses leads the people out of camp to meet with God and they stand at the front of this mountain. 
Now, God could have met with them in the river in Egypt. He could have met with them in the middle of the desert. He could have met with them anywhere he wanted to. He chose a mountain. Why a mountain? Why does Moses have to go up and meet with God? Why do the people have to go to a mountain? Clearly, the omnipresent God is not up. Do you know what I mean? Like I, when we're singing, I'm singing and I'm singing up because that kind of makes sense to me. But it's God is everywhere. He's not up. But he's up this mountain to show them something. This visual and spatial context helps Israel understand that Moses has to go up and God has to come down. God had to show them their weakness in order to show them his strength. And believers, sometimes God shows you your weakness so that you can see his strength. Unfortunately, when God shows us his strength, it can be intimidating. Unfortunately, when God shows us our weakness, we can get fixated on our lack of strength and never really get the whole picture. When we fixate on why can't I do this and why can't I fix that and why can't it be the way I want it to be, we start to fill up with hopelessness, frustration, bitterness, because we lose track of the transcendence of God. This year has been an exercise in understanding that we don't control much, right? We can't control a virus. We can't control other people. We can't control an election. We can't control racism. We can't control what people think. We can't control what people do. So does that mean that we just shrug our shoulders and like, oh, well, I guess the world's just crazy and there's nothing we can do about it. There's no real point. When we do that, what we've said is that we've looked at the problem, we've looked at the lack of the ability for humans to fix it, and we've decided that's the end of the story. But believers, God is above all of this. He is greater than any of this. His plan is sure. His promises are true. So when you see your powerlessness, when you see the powerlessness and the lostness of mankind, remember, it's God's invitation to see that He is power, that He is King, that He rules over it all, and to live like He does. God puts on a show. Literally, when it talks about Mount Sinai, verse 18, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. Literally, Hebrew is this. It's, as for Mount Sinai, smoke. All of it. Just everywhere, smoke. And it's Moses writing about the experience of looking at this mountain and almost not being able to describe what he sees. Somehow, in fire, it says, the Lord descended on the mountain in fire. Can you imagine the visuals of that? The mountain shakes and there's this noise, there's this trumpet and there's smoke everywhere. But in the midst of the smoke, there's this, there's this glow of fire and you know it's the Lord God of Israel coming down to the mountain because it said, this is the time where I'm going to meet with Moses. This presence of God shaking the ground. It is something that helps us and them see the magnitude and breadth of his powers. What I would tell you is that while you're like, man, wouldn't that be cool if God showed up on a mountain or God showed up in a place and we could see smoke and we could hear a trumpet, we could see him come down and fire, wouldn't that be cool? It probably would be cool, but I'm telling you, there are far greater miracles happening today than what happened on that mountain. God is at work to do miracles in the hearts of those who put their faith in him by the power of Jesus 
By trusting in his death and resurrection, there is redemption, there is healing. Whenever we pray, we, our prayer list often has a lot of prayer requests about the healing of the body. And when God heals a body, it's a wonderful thing. But I'm telling you, healing of the soul is a miracle far greater. God is at work doing incredible, amazing, awesome things because God is power. And this whole story, is a, this whole episode is a study in transcendence. God coming down to man. God giving a human-sized sense of his aboveness. In other words, this mountain and the smoke and the fire and the trouble is not truly representative of the power of God. It's just, it's nothing to God. But it was a human-sized object lesson that they could stand in front of and be like, wow, God is great. We can't even conceive of a mountain shaking and we can't even conceive of what we're, see- we're seeing. God made it bite-sized for them. He said to them, you don't come any way you want. You don't come whenever you want. You come when you're invited, and you come the way I prescribe because you need to know that I am transcendent. The next part of transcendent, God is above. Look at verse 20. It says, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, and so Moses went up. There's this coming down and this going up. It, it, it could get the sense that they kind of met in the middle, but they did not meet in the middle. God went way farther than Moses did. The journey for God was a lot more than the journey for Moses. Moses was visibly and clearly higher than the people to go meet with God. There was, there was meaning to that. There was image to that. There was hopefully understanding from that. Part of transcendence is to have the foundation for what it means when God relates to us. And so let's apply this for a second before we kind of finish this out. Believer, do you have people that sometimes it's hard to like get to their level? You feel like they're annoying or they're blind or they're frustrating or they're whatever. And you're like, I just can't, I just can't get down to their level, connect with them. Listen, however far you have to go to connect with somebody, God went way further to connect with you. We are His children, so we should be ready to descend to any level, not just to make ourselves low, but to connect with people who are loved by the Lord. So if you think you're above someone intellectually, you would have to stoop down to their level. So what? If you think you are part of a better social group, part of a higher economic group, you have more talent, you have a better personality, you have the high moral ground, you know what's right and what's wrong. I'm telling you, God came down to Moses. Came down to Moses' turf. Came down to Israel's turf. God transcended down and invited Moses and his people to join him. Believers, this has real application. For your life. We have no use for a high horse ever. Because whatever advantage, whatever superiority you think you have to someone else, God had way more advantage and way more superiority and chose to lay it aside for you. Let's just do a little mental exercise here. I'm going to put a picture up. I'm going to ask Alex to put a picture up of a little, the tiniest insect there is. It's called a fairy fly. And there's a little thing on the side there that says 200 uh, micrometers. The idea is this is the smallest insect that exists. 
It is a half of a millimeter to a millimeter in a lot of instances, but some of them are a, a tenth of a millimeter. So basically, to get a size, sense of that size, an inch, we all kind of know an inch is about that big, right? An inch, if you wanted to get to a tenth of a millimeter, you've got to divide that into over 2,500 parts. That's how big that is. Now, can you imagine deciding, if you even could, to become a fairy fly? To take all of your knowledge and your awareness and your ability and your size advantage and whatever and to shrink yourself down to the vulnerability, the limitations, the small, small life of something that's about a tenth of a millimeter big. Can you imagine living that life for the brief moment? Maybe you live for a couple hours. Maybe you live for a day. Imagine choosing to do that. Can you imagine loving a creature so much to do that? As hard as that is for us to imagine, that's a small jump compared to God coming down to become a man. Believers, there is no place for us to refuse to stoop down. There is no place for us to let some advantage or, or superior position make us think that, that we should just stay in our high estate. Keep going. Finish out this chapter. It says, verse 21, And the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so that they do not force their way through to, you, to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So the Lord went down to the people and told, or so Moses went down to the people and told them. God had already given these commands, but he's emphasizing it again. Don't let the people come near this mountain. These limits were for their protection, for their good, but it was really to illustrate the greatness, the reverence, the awe they should have for God. Believers, we should have reverence and awe in the presence of God. It should be overwhelming. When we sing a song about, I will sing of the goodness of God, it should overwhelm you how good He has been. When we sing about His greatness and the power of the name of Jesus, you should just be filled up with a sense that we can't even begin to scratch the surface of His power. God says they're going to be seeing some things, they're going to be hearing some things, but I'm not a curiosity, a magician, where they could just bust through and, and come see and come find out what they, what they want to find out. For our, our, our lives, many of us, God is... Something we want to see when he does something spectacular. We want to see when he does something good. But we have caused ourselves to become flippant or disrespectful even to sacred things. Things that are of God. Things that relate to God. Not only that, but sometimes we take the other tack and, and because we, we forget the goodness, the greatness of God, the transcendence of God, we let fear take over as though things are too big for him. We start to put our trust in things that don't really offer hope. God invites his people. He says, now they need to be consecrated. Consecration is required to enter God's presence. 
In other words, even today, consecration is required to enter God's presence. If you don't know Jesus, you can pray all you want. But without the washing of salvation and the grace of God poured out on your life, you don't really get to enter and speak to God because God's presence is not something you just tromp into. doesn't mean that men cannot come into God's presence, but you shouldn't think it's light or commonplace. These people and Moses are in the presence of God. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you realize this ever. Maybe you saw a movie or something. And, and what we are about to do in chapter 20 is pick up on the Ten Commandments. And ver- chapter 19 ends with Moses went down to the people and told them all the things God had said. And then 20 opens up with God spoke these words. So God is speaking the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel from the mountain. Sometimes you get this picture of you know, Moses up on the mountain with the tablets and God given, and Moses comes down. God gave the Ten Commandments to his people directly. And he did that because he wanted them to understand his transcendence. Why do we need to embrace this truth in our lives? What difference does it make if, if I understand or not about how far above us and beyond us God actually is? Here's why. Because every day you struggle with what is the supreme in your life. When you, somebody breaks up with you, their rejection can feel like the final word on your value. But if God is transcendent, God has the final word on your value. Nobody's rejection of you, nobody's work against you is final. God's work is final. Nobody's strategy against you is bigger than God's plan for you. No situation, no trial is bigger than God's ability to redeem, to save We have to stop thinking small about God because everything becomes so scary and so unstable when we forget who we worship and who He is. So let's see if we can apply this in our relationship with the Lord, learning about God's transcendence. Is it true that we can walk boldly into the throne room of God? Yes. But do we walk in with reverence anyway? Do we walk in understanding the awesome privilege of speaking to our Creator. We shouldn't come in any way we want. We should reflect the fact that God is great. We come through Jesus, and that price was so great. One of the ways we understand transcendence is to understand what it took to bridge the gap between us and Him.